Like we experience gunshots every day. We can't get up and wake up and say, oh, I can't, you know, I just can't come today because there was a shooting last night. Don't nobody care about my emotional health. Don't nobody care about my, what I'm going through emotionally. I still have to show up. Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision-making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, Contact us, and we might have you on the show. This week, you'll hear from Charnel Cheney, a meditation teacher. The episode sounds a little different because I wanted to catch Charnel in her element. We recorded the episode outside after her meditation class for girls and young adults. We talked about how and why she's introducing meditation to her community as an intervention to offset the physical, mental, and emotional effects of trauma. Hi, Charnel. Hey, how are you? Good. It's so good to talk to you today. Yes. And I'm excited uh, for people to hear about what you've been doing around meditation. I think it's so important. Okay. Uh, So before we get into that, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do. Hi, everybody. I am Charnel Chaney, and I am a trauma-informed yoga instructor, and I live in Ward 8, Southeast Washington, D.C. So how did you get into meditation? Is there a story there? Yes, absolutely. So when I was about 25, I was going through a divorce and I had started to have really bad panic attacks and I was praying for peace and it had dropped in my spirit for me to start meditating. But, you know, I had never, nobody around me is meditating. Nobody around me is doing that. So I completely had pushed it off. How did you know about meditation? I didn't. I didn't know about it, about it at all, actually. I mean, I had heard pray and meditate throughout my life, but I had never seen nobody actually, you know, perform it or do it. But this one was coming to me as I was praying for peace. It didn't even start dropping into my spirit for me to do it until I started praying for peace. And I started to have those anxiety attacks. And my mom, she had started her, just started her nonprofit. And she wanted to do, apply for this grant that was surrounding an arts program. And I was like, you should put meditation in it. She was like, meditation? But that's different. That'll be your part. That's your job. Find a teacher and let's see what we could do. So I was like, all right, cool. So I found this lady. And that's how I got into meditation. And I've been doing it ever since when I seen how calm and relaxed and how I felt I didn't even know I was missing it I didn't even know that I was in turmoil like I was having inner turmoil all that time because I it it had become natural to just live life like in that and within a conflict it was crazy and it just took took off from there but you started a program despite not having funding so why did why did you start this program and what is the program? Um, so I went to Brief for Change. I found Brief for Change. That's where I got my certification from. And it's for teachers by teachers. And at the time, I was working at the after school program. So I had 
learned how to do yoga with children and I had learned what it what it do, do for them inside the classroom and outside the classroom. So um we had experienced the death on the fourth of July of a little boy who was eleven years old and he was pretty close to my family. What happened to him? Um he was shot and murdered he was shot and killed. And is this in your neighborhood? Yes, in Ward Eight in Southeast DC. Not directly in my neighborhood but not far from where I live at. During his candlelight, you had the kids, they was out there falling out. Damn, they having nervous breakdowns in front of our face. And I'm like, you know, from, from yeah, from trauma. his death, from the trauma of his death. And it's like, you know, we don't have no outlets. You know, therapy is not a big thing. Everybody, you know, so I just wanted to do something to just kind of give them an outlet to start the healing process as young people so they can grow into healthy adults and be able to articulate and say what's wrong. Because even, you know, a lot of people look at the person that's committing a murder as, you know, I still look at that person like a victim. You know, what happened to them? How did they get to that point? And if we focus on that, then maybe they won't get to that point. So how's it been having this program for children? Are they receptive to it? Uh, it's, been, it's been half and half. Some days they're receptive to it. Some days they like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. You know, it's new to them, and then you got people around them who might say, you know, I've had, when I was just talking about doing this, a lot of people were trying to discourage me. They was like, you know, black kids don't do yoga. Black people black, don't do yoga. Black kids don't do yoga. Black people don't do yoga. And I was like, what? So, you know, they and they hear that, too, when they out. So it's like if I try to tell the adults that's around them, like, don't talk bad about it. Don't, because if you talking bad about it, then the kids will look at it like it's a bad thing. You know, they still feed off our energy regardless, even if they don't want to do something we can encourage them to do it and plant the seeds. So. Yeah. How do you think we can better educate people in our community about the health benefits of yoga and meditation? Um, that's a good question. I, I guess just spreading the information, and it could just start from just a simple conversation like this, you know, when it's somebody like, oh, ain't nobody about to do that, you know, just switching it around, like, you know, maybe we should give it a try, maybe, you know, just encouraging it. And not being so quick to downplay it, you know, that's all. Why do you tell people what it's like to live in your neighborhood? Man, it's funny because I recently just put, I had started working for Community Mediation DC and my boss, she lives uptown and one day her neighbor shot somebody and she had to, she was like, you know, I can't even fin do our check-in today. You know, I just need some time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, people do that? Like, we experience gunshots every day. We experience, I'm like, you know that cookout that happened a couple weeks ago? Yeah, my whole family was there, but they let out a hundred shots. My whole family was there. I mean, granted, by the grace of God, none of them got hit. You know, I got two cousins that just got locked up for, you know, some crimes. And it's like, in our world, those excuses. We can't get up and wake up and say, oh, I can't, you know, I just can't come today because there was a shooting last night. We don't get to feel the effects of that. Like, we have become so numb and so used to it that, and it affects us, though. It's not like it's not affecting us, but we ignore it. And it's like, you know, and, and I was, my performance wasn't all the way well, you know, in the middle of this COVID stuff. And we had did a mediation, and, you know, I'm just breaking it down to her, and then I'm telling her I even started crying because I'm like, it's crazy because... You know, you can't even finish one meeting, one meeting out the day because of one incident that happened when I'm experiencing that every single day of my life. I'm hearing gunshots every single day. I still got to go to work. Don't nobody care about my emotional health. Don't nobody care about my, what I'm going through emotionally. I still have to show up. 
it's still, I mean, people say they can, but do they really? You know what I'm saying? So that was a really big eye-opener for me to be like, you know, why don't we take time to ourselves when stuff tragic, tragic stuff happened in our community or tragic stuff happened, even when COVID happened, like, we're still operating in the same senses, like, like it's not what's going on. So it's just, for me, I really just think that um, that's not taking into consideration our environment. And it plays a really big part. We took the kids and, I mean, they was just looking for trouble. They didn't even know how to have fun. Every time, if anybody said anything that they didn't like, oh, they was ready to fight. They was ready to just, just train to go. Anything that went wrong, oh, they just ready to go off. And I'm like, I felt bad because I'm like, I know y'all feel like that that's how y'all have to be due to the neighborhood that you live in. You know, you can't be no punk. You can't be, you can't walk away because you looked at then they want to bully you even more. So I get it. You have to have this sense, but it's not normal though. Yeah, so it's interesting. We're in a time now when all eyes are on issues like this. What's happening in the black community? Yeah. Why are black people dying? Yeah. What do you think? Do you what's your reaction to all these conversations that are happening about our community, basically? Honestly, truthfully speaking, I just think that um we don't acknowledge our spirituality enough. We don't acknowledge the spiritual piece to us. I think it's kind of disconnected. When you look at what's going on in the black community, I mean, we lost. We don't have. We, don't nobody know what their purpose is. You got to get up, go to work to put food on the table, you're really not concerned with what God wants you to do or what the Creator wants you to do. You know, you're so busy trying to live day to day. And I think that that's what's missing. We're so disconnected from our spirituality and nobody wants to really talk about it for some reason. But do you think it's different now that we're in a pandemic? Have you noticed anything different? I have. I, I feel like now that we're in a pandemic, we're being forced to deal with ourselves more. We don't have a lot of distractions. You know, we can't just go to the mall, go shop. I mean... You know, go go call, go do certain things to distract you from the reality of everyday life. Like so now, you know, people are having to deal with real reality, and it's hard. You know, even when the mental health piece of it, having to sit there and sit with yourself or sit with the things you've done throughout your life, like that stuff is hard, and it triggers people. People don't talk enough about trauma and our trauma and the triggers, and you know, the smallest things can trigger us, and won't talk enough about it. And I think that's the biggest thing too is being triggered more. Now that we're in a pandemic, we're tri being triggered a lot more than we was before because we had things to distract us. So what do you think is the biggest trigger now? I think hopelessness. You know, I think at one point it was almost like everybody was in the right race. It was easy to try to make it, you know, make it out of poverty. Now it's almost like we don't even know if we even going to make it out. I know for me, I had to put in my two-week notice and it really you know, made me sad. It made me, I was going through a few things over the last couple of weeks because I just started my job and I found a career that I actually loved, a boss that cared about my well-being, cared about me as a person. Everything was just perfect about the job, but now school not about to start. And I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in what I seen them, what they was teaching my child, my kids at the end of the school year. And it's like, I could do that. It's no way that I'm going to be able to focus on a job that I just started working and focus on my kids' education. It's unrealistic. So I had to pick one or the other, and it's messed up because it's like, dang, you know, now what? You know, I'm right back at square one. And although, you know, I'm here, step out on faith, your gift will make room for you. This is what I'm hearing in my spirit, but it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around it. You know, there's a, a huge spotlight on Black Lives Matter yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're telling me that in your neighborhood, 
you're hearing gunshots almost every day. There has to, why is there, is there a disconnect? I do feel like it is a disconnect because we so stuck on blaming white supremacy and white people. And we not stopping to say, let's create that inner peace. Like I said, connect to our spirituality and create that inner peace within us so it can radiate out. Like racism is very real and it's very, you know, but I don't believe that it really holds us back. I think it's a mind thing. You know what I'm saying? So if we choose to see outside of that and not allow it to affect us, then it won't. You know, I feel like everything starts within. And a lot of times we trying to look outward and look all these other places for the answers. And it's like once you tap, if everybody's just focused on themselves and created that inner peace for themselves, oh, what a better place this world would be. <laughs> but we too busy pointing a finger. So we ain't going to get nowhere doing that. Earlier, you mentioned, uh, briefly, you mentioned fear mm-hmm. was playing into some of the dynamics in uh, your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts about Fear. You know, we just in a fearful place, fear of change, fear of not the unknown, not knowing what's next. Everything is changing, and I don't believe that things are going back to normal, at least in my life. I don't even see how I could go back to, you know, norm, being normal. But it's it's just making these changes, even though, you know, you might have faith and it might be okay. It's just, it's just the fear there. What know? do you think is not going back to normal? What's going to change? The school systems. You know, the way, um, just the way the world is being run, I just don't believe that. I mean, they're not telling us that, but I don't believe that our kids are going to be able to go back to school and have and be able to receive the same type of education they was receiving. But it might be time for a change. Maybe it is time for us to educate yeah. our own children. You know? Do you think there is a digital divide? Absolutely. Because... Who can afford electronics nowadays? I mean, we work, there are people working very hard in World 8 and 7 to make sure all of our kids have devices, you know, electronic devices, but they know most poor people don't have electronic devices, nor do they have the internet services. So it's almost like, you know, trying to weave out the people that ain't gonna make it almost. It's crazy. I really appreciate you making time to talk to me. I'm so inspired by your work and I look forward to us working together. Yes, yes, me too. That was Charnel Cheney talking about what it's like to live in a community plagued by disparity and violence and the power of meditation as an intervention for trauma. listening to the grapevine health podcast our producer is nicholas elias please like us on social media you can find us at grapevine health on youtube facebook and instagram and on twitter at health grapevine until next time i'm dr lisa signing off